Welcome, Prophet. Well, welcome, Professor. What can I say? <laughs> We're here for another show, and uh, you've got an interesting topic for this show. Um, but before we get to the topic, maybe we should discuss the T-shirts uh, that we're both wearing. Yes. Um, gee, what does it say? <laughs> Define yourself, think for yourself. I think yes. that's uh, very good advice. Yes. I. Uh, well, what do you think? <laughs> well, I think, you know, if we were st- to step out in public uh, here in Melbourne, we're both wearing these, people would be giving us some maybe some funny looks that, uh, oh, th- look at these two, they're, maybe they're twins, but, uh, you know, I like the message that they're both presenting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> interesting one. And that's the topic of pornography. Yes, we've, uh, we've avoided this one uh, for a few weeks and uh, we're brave enough to scratch the surface on this one. Uh, we probably will discuss it at a lighter level and um, we'll come back to this in subsequent episodes. Uh, anyone who's got any ideas on what we've discussed, if you think we've missed something or we need to discuss something further, please email us and let us know. Uh, we, this is just a, a stage one of this subject. We're going to scratch the surface and see if we're still living afterwards. <laughs> Pornography is a very interesting one because uh, it's uh, one of those things that um, the majority of men have seen. Well, even more than the majority, all men have seen. Well, I remember all, all except those in denial. Those in denial or uh, those men who are liars. I remember reading about a study once. Uh, some academics wanted to look at pornography use amongst men, but uh, for their control subjects, they couldn't find any because of the fact that uh, all men had uh, seen pornography. There was no men that they could find who hadn't actually seen it. <laughs> oh, I know plenty that have never looked at pornography. <laughs> plenty. Um, they, uh, you ask them and they'll tell you that they don't look at it. They don't have anything to do with it. Their relationship is absolutely solid. They have no need to look at it. You know, uh, when it comes to uh, pornography, uh, us modern-day men... In comparison to, say, um, you know, men living hundreds of years ago, we've had access to images and video of more beautiful women than what our ancestors would have seen in their entire lifetime. And we can get access to, to those beautiful women at the click of a button, um, which is an interesting state of affairs. And when men look at pornography, it's a constant um, dopamine high Every click that you go through, it's a spike in uh, dopamine in your mind. And I guess us men uh, are like addicts when, when viewing pornography. Um, but uh, I guess it's nature's way. We're, we're visually driven as men. Uh, and pornography is a very engaging medium for us to, to, to be viewing. Yes, but it's interesting how pornography has changed over time and changed with technology. Um, you know, once... I guess once upon a time, you know, it uh, well, probably started out as the real thing and then as the print industry became established, you know, things like postcards and things like that and, uh, of course, obviously the dirty magazines are in there as well. Um, over time, it's changed with technology to the point where it's very readily accessible and extremely cheap almost has no value at all and leaves no trace. And 
the pornography industry has cashed in on that in a big way. Uh, no, there's no dirty magazines left around to get caught with anymore. You can look at it on your phone, your computer, your, your tablet. Um, as soon as you click it off, the trace of it is gone. Uh, it's an industry that has virtually uh, dominated the, the internet game. Without it, I'm not sure the internet would even be around. Mm. Um, yet, uh, is a very big taboo subject in society. People are very apprehensive about uh, revealing their addictions to pornography, and I use the word addictions. Mm. You get some that mask it by saying, "Oh, I saw this, and it was funny." But very few will actually be open and say, yeah, I've looked at it, it was my choice, and I accept responsibility for it, and I'm open and honest about it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, the industry cashes in on that, and uh, what can I say? It makes the world go round. Indeed it does. And, uh, you know, I it's my personal opinion that um, pornography for men is the... Uh, equivalent of romance novels for women. Now, yeah, but the interesting thing is about that. When was the last time you heard about a woman being sacked for reading a romance novel? That is interesting, um, and I guess it, it never, never happens. But um, you know, women's pornography when it comes to romance novel, it's, it's all dressed up in, um, I guess, fantasy and the written word and how it makes women feel. Whereas pornography being... Um, For men, it's visual. It's so visual, you know, we're talking about explicit imagery, essentially, which is uh, inappropriate for the workplace. There's that, that word again, inappropriate. But what primarily interests me about pornography um, when it comes to the social aspects uh, of it and in the taboo aspect of it is if you think about it within a relationship... Often, many women, especially um, the majority of feminists, um, will say that they're not in favour of pornography, they don't like pornography, and uh, I believe it's because women don't like the fact that it lessens their control over their man. If their man is off um, viewing pornography, um, uh, getting off on pornography, and so on... I don't, I don't think this issue has anything to do with feminists. I think women right across the board highly object to pornography. Um, it doesn't matter whether they're married, single, what political or cultural persuasion they're from, they highly object to pornography. And I think the real question is why? Mm. And why would a man be so concerned about being caught red-handed looking at pornography? There's clearly an element of status or, or uh, jeopardising one's status with regard to pornography. Mm. If you openly admit that you look at it, people will look at you differently. They will judge you for it. When in reality, they're only judging you for something that they're doing themselves anyway. That's exactly right. And, you know, when I think about how men are judged for looking at pornography, it's generally in a quite a harsh light. Yet I don't see women being judged very harshly if they're 
you know, fans of romance novels or, um, you know, and in fact, whenever women are talking about love and romance in general, if you think about it, that's their primary interest. So if you look at the sexes and you uh, look at their primary and their secondary interests, for example, men's primary interest, they're, we're driven by the visual, we're driven by sex and, and, and by lust. Um, whereas women's primary interest, they're generally driven by home and family and emotion. monogamy and emotion. Um, so, you know, to appeal to the, the opposite sex, we want to appeal to their primary interest and you know women appeal to us by wearing sexy outfits and push-up bras and high heels and all the rest of that makeup makeup and they're the things that they know that primarily appeal to us men it works doesn't it it really does Mm. whereas as as men if we want to appeal to women we'll emphasize our status and our home ownership status and family and the fact job that we want finances, finances, and the car children. we drive, it, car we drive, where we live. Yep, uh, we we are wired differently. That's obvious. Uh, but however, the the issue with pornography is a woman maintaining absolute control over a man's sexuality and his need for sex, and if he can slowly wiggle that boot off his throat through uh, anything from a mistress to paid sex to pornography, even other interests, hobbies. The woman doesn't like that because it it disempowers her and it re-empowers the man. Women are the drug dealers and uh, we're the users when it comes uh, to sex. And uh, anything that disempowers their control is a potential big problem in the relationship. If men are getting it elsewhere or, you know, viewing a lot of pornography, that spells trouble for the relationship and for that control the woman has over that man. Well, one of the biggest problems with competition is you can see how bare bones you've been getting by with an existing arrangement. And if you can keep that competition over the other hill and people can't see it, it's, it's, it's better for a person providing a poor quality product. It goes, it goes beyond, this argument goes beyond pornography. Um, in the extreme cases of, uh, of insecurity, I'm talking insane insecurity, um, you know, and this applies equally to males as to females. Oh, I don't want you to see your friends anymore. I don't want you to have contact with your family anymore. I don't want you to talk to your ex anymore. Um, I don't want you to go out anymore. I don't want you to look at pornography. It's all, it gets back to uh, blackmail or mind control in order to maintain control over someone who, if they thought about it and spoke to some normal people, wouldn't be in this relationship anymore. Exactly. And one of the biggest risks with pornography is it captivates the imagination. Logic may get you from A to B, but your imagination can take you anywhere. And if a person's imagination is allowed to run wild, 
gives them sufficient uh, oxygen to, or sufficient hope to endure that situation. And it, it gets back to that same issue, lack of absolute control. Now, if you have to maintain control over someone, clearly you're not happy with them and you shouldn't be involved in the first place. I um, am not a fan of being under the control of other people. Really? I never noticed. (laughs) Particularly in relationships. And uh, it's been a big problem for me in my past relationships. But I'm also not someone who likes to control other people in relationships. Um, The way I I see it, people should be free to do uh, what generally what they want within within reason. I don't want to try to restrict them, especially um, in terms of their thoughts and their ideas or or some of the things that they, that they want to do, unless it really has a, a big detrimental impact uh, upon me. Um, I guess it's probably got me into, into a bit of trouble due to my lack of trying to control other people in the past. Really? But, <laughs> you know? But I never I, would have guessed. <laughs> I, just, I, I just want uh, to, to be free myself and for other people to maintain their freedom. But... Um, yeah, when it comes to pornography, and, and I'll tell you one, one story. I, I was in Thailand one time and I saw um, a couple of ladyboys who were looking at some pornography on, on a phone. And it was uh, porn of um, you know, gay men having sex. And as I looked, I thought, I haven't seen that before back home. Like, I, I've never walked in on a woman and, and said, oh, my God, look, you're looking at pornography, right? Um, but, you know... Well, walked in on a woman looking at um, heterosexual pornography. And I think we are wired very differently, uh, the sexes, when it comes, when it comes to that. And um, that whole visual aspect. Well, you know, I think uh, many people take the easy way out of this topic. I don't know anything about it. I really don't know. I don't look at it. That's the easy way out. Mm. Not knowing about it doesn't bring the issue to a head. Uh, I think right across society, I think people would be horrified at the amount of pornography that is viewed. And uh, as much as we would like to believe that the guy in the cubicle next to us or a family member or something like that uh, would not do such things, reality tends to suggest that the odds are not in the favour of that. Uh, There is huge amounts of pornography consumed by all societies, by all cultures, and uh, those that pretend to be above it are often the worst culprits. Mm. Uh, I'm uh, I'm not saying it's good or bad, and I'm not saying that it should be readily available. I'm merely looking at it from a reality perspective that clearly there is a big market for it. It's huge dollars and uh, it's basically the modern day, the technology enabled modern day version of prostitution. See, um, 
I have done quite a bit of research into pornography, the creation of pornography, production of it, etc. Um, because of my background, I've got skills in video uh, production and uh, there was a time I considered, hey, maybe I could go and create some pornography. So I, I did some research into the area. And pretty much around about 2005, 2006, with the proliferation of the, uh, the, the so-called um, uh, porn, uh, like the U-porn-like sites, um, the uh, consolidation of pornography onto portals on the internet where a lot of it was being pirated and put up onto sites like um, you know, Xtube and all the rest of those sorts of sites. And a lot of the money, um, the industry basically collapsed because there were so many people who were putting up so much uh, pornography and putting it out there for free. And a lot of the money apparently is now being made by the consolidators, by having these big websites that, I guess, aggregates all the pornography that's being made out there, wherever in the world, and uh, putting it all on, on, on their tube sites and uh, trying to make some money from advertising. Yeah, it'd be, be about the, more about the banner ads mm. now than revenue from pornography. I think, uh, I think like everything in life, um, it's changed. Uh, very few people pay for music, or they pay a very small price for music. Um, the internet has changed. Everything's, everything about the access to... To information, it's changed about everything about the access to entertainment, and and really, as uh, as unpopular as this might be, I suppose pornography is really just part of the entertainment industry, and no one wants to pay for it, uh, of course, and uh, the the revenue is coming in from other sources. I think, uh, in you know, generally speaking, when it comes to any kind of media production. People are very reluctant to pay for it. So, um, you know, the producers try to make money from their material via advertising. Advertisers um, and advertising is one of the biggest revenue streams for... You mean um, like Viagra ads and things like that? (laughs) So, for for producers, um, you know, but in general, a lot of people don't fully appreciate just uh, the cost of production and just how much money it requires you know, for lights and for cameras and production equipment and... Staff, staff actors. Actors, they've, I mean... They've, they've got to have health care like everybody else. This uh, is it. it the, the industry, the, the pornography industry has, um, has always had a, a checkered past, a criminal element, uh, cross-border uh, elements to it as well. And uh, the internet has really cashed in on, on this. I mean, what, what is uploaded in Kazakhstan one minute ago is available in Australia or the USA right now. It's very interesting. I think when it comes to the opportunities, because of the, you know, the laws are actually lagging behind uh, the technology. As, is there any other kind of laws? Well, this is, as they always do. And... I'll recount a personal story for you about a situation that um, I found myself in recently. I was at an event, a big event in Melbourne for the uh, the gay and the transsexual um, um, people in, in Australia. It's Miss Gay and Miss Transsexual Australia. It was like a big cabaret show here in Melbourne held at the substation in Newport. And there was uh, groups of people there in the crowd where I was looking over and thinking, I've seen this person before. Where... 
where have I seen this person before? Yeah, they look so familiar. And then, of course, uh, I, I tweaked and I thought, yep, I've seen that person in, um, in a porn movie before. So I thought to myself, well, how can I find out this person's name? Right? I, I, you know, it's, it, it's killing me. I've got to find out who this person is. And uh, I was doing a bit of a search through uh, backpage.com and um, lo and behold, here's this person. Well, they're here in Melbourne and right there they said that they've starred in porn movies before and I'm like, that's the one right the power there. power of the internet. Power of the internet. But then it got me to thinking. I thought, well, hang on a second. Um, all the pornography that's out there, uh, we don't know who the actors are in you know, the majority of the time. They don't put their names to their, uh, to their content. But if the people who are involved in pornography are also involved in um, selling prostitution services, for instance, that would, be, that would make for, um, I guess, uh, great advertising for them if they were to say, well, this is who I am, this is what I do, I'm, I, I am a prostitute um, and that's how I earn my money and this media that I put out... I'm putting it out there uh, for you, my fans, but um, I'm making my money in the appearances, which I guess uh, most companies today or most people in the entertainment business in general, they make uh, predominantly most of their money through appearances uh, in public or, or shows. Yeah, but it's, it's like I said before, that pornography is really nothing more than the ultra-modern-day version of prostitution. Mm. And... Uh, Instead of uh, having to make an excuse, you know, with your, with the wife, oh, I've got to go down and get some milk, uh, and nicking down and engaging in such activity, well, people don't need to do that now. They can look at it over the internet, their phone, their computer, whatever means they've got, and uh, it's it's the same it's the same drug. It's the same hormone that's released in the brain. It's mm-hmm. just it's obtained through a different method, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's 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 modern prostitution pornography. Mm. Not that that's good or bad, but I'm just saying what it is. Mm. And it's a, the dopamine fix that we get in our brain, and that's the one that's the one thing I did learn in in Thailand in those red light areas that that is what's happening in the male brain whenever you walk uh, or when, whenever you're in a, a red light area and you're engaging with people there, it's, you're getting a dopamine fix from it, and it's a constant dopamine fix up and down um, while you're there. It the sounds sights, very addictive. It, it can be very addictive. It's the sights, the sounds, um, all that stuff stays with you. But I learned more about my nature as a man in the red light areas of Thailand than what I ever did here in the Western world. And the thing that it really taught me was the level of control that I was dealing with in relationships here with Western women. Because I thought to myself, well, hang on a second. Uh, good old-fashioned suppression. <laughs> I, I thought to myself, well, hang, you know, back in the Western world, here I am, I'm engaging in these long-term relationships. But essentially, uh, if, if it wasn't for the sex, let's put the sex aside and say, okay, um, if I had been celibate in those relationships... There'd be no relationship. I wouldn't have been in them. That's right. In, in any of them. So I think that um, you know, women have a distrust of men who are celibate because of that fact. Well, that they've they got no leverage over them. No leverage at all. And you know, the last three years of my life living here in the West in which I have been practising celibacy 
have been uh, the times in my life where I've had the most peace of mind. And I lost that in relationships. And I think pornography and sex and relation, all this sort of stuff that we go through as men with women, um, we can fall under the control of, of women very, very easily through that need for sex that, that we have as men. Well, there's plenty of happy slaves. Yeah. Plenty of them. And we know a lot of them, right? We know. We, know, we, know, we, we, we count many as our friends, right? We, that's right. I was about to say that. <laughs> I, I work with them. I have yeah. them as friends. They're all yeah. happy. Yeah. Uh, you know, as long as an addict knows that a fix is coming, that's enough to keep them happy. Uh, the moment you are, you know, the, the monkey's off the shoulder, it's no longer controlling your thoughts, that's very dangerous for people around that person. Uh, you know, in Hollywood, if someone's having a bit of success, the first thing they do is they get them medicated and dependent. They're easier to control. It's not real good for the individual. They usually end up dying young, you know, Elvis, Michael Jackson, Marilyn Monroe, the list goes on and on and on. Mm. But however, they are very easy to control at the peak of their careers. Mm. And this extends to relationships and marriages as well. It's very easy. The easiest way to control a man is through sex. And the irony of it is that at the height of his career, his sexual needs are at the highest as well. Mm. And... uh, so if a woman wants to tap into his resources and what he can provide, at the height of when those resources are bearing fruit, his needs, his sexual needs are also the highest. And hence the manipulation begins. Mm. Well, actually, I would, won't just, add, I'm not going to say I disagree with that, but um, there's a part which I, I've been thinking of that, the male sex drive and our level of testosterone is actually highest in our teenage uh, years. We peak in our, in our late teens and early 20s. And then testosterone is a gradual decline over time until it gets to the point where um, we can actually control our need for sex. It's, it's not as pressing as it once was. It becomes was. a want, not a need. Exactly. And what I found um, in, you know, I have uh, a number of older men as friends of mine and um, some of them are running, um, running bars in Thailand, others are working outside the bar industry and, you know, have got normal pro- profession, uh, professions. Um, what I see is the older the, the man that I'm dealing with in general, the more they've got control over their sex drive and the, the less they're driven by it and therefore the less they're able to be manipulated by it. However... If you look at some older men, if they get involved in, say, an affair with a younger woman, then woof, it ramps right well, up again. That's throwing petrol on <laughs> a few embers that are left over from the night before. Yeah. I mean, uh, sounds explosive. Mm. But uh, yes, and, I mean, many many men go through a, a midlife or a late life crisis, and it's really it's really about recapturing something from many decades ago that they've held on to that feeling and they need to recapture it and it's fade, the feeling is fading out. But uh, only thing I can say is uh, every Superman has his kryptonite. That's true. And uh, when the house has got to be sold up and the assets as well, uh, you have to ask yourself if it was all worth it. And, you know, um, 
as men, we're driven by youth and beauty when it comes to women. So if we're in a relationship with a woman who's, say, uh, our own age, I mean, I'm 36 now, but I wouldn't be looking for a woman uh, who's 36. I'd be looking for younger women. What if she had her own house? Well, see, it, that doesn't really interest me uh, as, a, as a guy. Um, I just want a young and beautiful woman to, to be with because I'm driven by that. Well, but, you're going to have to pay for her, Clark. Oh, that's true. But the thing that gets me is that in a relationship of of age equals, so as the woman gets older, the man is going to be looking for younger women. His eyes going to be wandering. When he's looking at the pornography, he's going to be looking down at, at women who are a lot younger than his wife. And therefore, in his mind, he's got these images swirling around of these younger, more beautiful women than his wife. So that could lessen the control that his wife has over him. And um, maybe that's... That is a lesson. I think you're being polite. I think it might eliminate it. Or eliminate it. This, yeah. and, and hence why women do not like their man, if you... That's not a mistake. Their man. Their man. Ownership. Yep. Right? <laughs> they do not like their man looking at pornography or looking at another woman or uh, engaging in any conversation or other activity with a person that could show her up for what she really is, as as opposed to what she promised to be. I've never seen a stronger grip from a woman on a man's arm than what I've seen on the streets of Patea from Western women with their uh, Western men walking down the street. I look at them and I think, firstly, what are these two doing here? But look at the look in her eyes and look at the grip that she's got on, on her man. She understands his nature and his eyes are just in Disneyland. I, I, think, she, I think she understands the snake pit that they're in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, the na- his nature has always been understood. Mm. It's the environment has changed. Yeah. And yeah. suddenly the man is in an environment where he could have options if he, if he chose to exercise them. And suddenly the, the woman is in an environment where she has little to no control over any of this. And very little options because uh, I've seen a, a look of yearning in the eyes of the Western women I've come across in, in Pattaya, Thailand. And it's, uh, it's a staring and it's a yearning look. I because, think it's a reality check. Well, this is it. But, you know, I see them, some of them walking around and their options when it comes to men in Thailand are very limited. The Western woman won't go with the Thai men. The Thai men are shorter and much poorer um, than the Western men that she wants. And she wants the high status, uh, higher earning, tall, dark and handsome Western men. Not many of them walking around the streets of Pattaya, are they? No. No, a lot of overweight, um, older, balding Western men. Uh, But however, they've got a bit of money in their wallet. They do, but uh, the look of disgust in the Western woman's eyes when she's walking down the streets in Pattaya looking at these guys, um, it's interesting because you'll see that women have very few, Western women have those very much fewer options over there than us Western men, and you know, it's seen as, as heaven for, for men in Pattaya um, in, in comparison. But maybe the Western world here is heaven for Western women, right? And we're in the situation that the Western woman is in Pattaya, Thailand. It's, 
it's here in the Western world. It's all about who holds the balance of power. It's mm. all about that one word, power. And there's only one thing worse than power, and that's losing power. Mm. And I guess it gets back to what's very deep in the brain, both in, in, in men and in women, and it's maintaining that control. And uh, the it's very predictable. People pretend to be something. They pretend to have something. They promise things. Uh, they tell lies. They wear what they wear, makeup, whatever they need to do to maintain that power over another. It must be depressing for a woman, though, if you think about it. They know in, in, intuitively that as they age and their looks fade, their grip on their, their man is also going to fade unless they can compensate with other qualities um, and the other qualities uh, that men are looking for in women. And I think that that would be a depressing reality if I was a woman. I think it would um, be depressing for the man, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> if I was a woman, though, I would, I would be... Um, that would be a frightening prospect. I would think, well, as I age, I'm, I'm going to lose all the things that men want in me, but as the man ages, he's going to gain all the resources that he needs that will attract younger, prettier women than myself. Well, hence, so, hence the old, the burnt-out old fart with the young bride. Mm. I mean, it's very, very popular. You can rattle off endless names with wealthy, older, wealthy men that marry women 40, 50 years younger than them. It's amazing... Uh, how much of a blind eye people can turn when their needs are going to be met. Mm. And I suppose this gets back to everything in life. If it's a need, what a, not a want, another person has control over you. Mm. Mm. The one thing that uh, you know, I had stuck up on my wall for years whilst I was doing the whole Thailand thing was the uh, testosterone graph and the decline in testosterone over time in the male. And when I turned about 30, that's when I felt like a switch had occurred. I, I could suddenly, in my mind, I was seeing things with more clarity, and I felt more more contentment and... Um, using, more, using more logic, maybe? More logic, more at peace with myself, and, and less inclined to, to, to do stupid things like I, I would have done in, in my youth. But... And now that I'm 36, almost 37, I've, I've noted that the testosterone drop is, is enough that I no longer am driven to go out to bars or nightclubs or any of the rest of that sort of stuff. I'll you know, keep my good times for, for getting on a plane and going to Thailand. But here in the Western world, I, I cannot be manipulated in the way that I could have no when deal. I was a younger man. No deal. Yeah, it's, it's no deal. And mm. it, I would be a very poor prospect for marriage these days, which... Uh, you know, you often hear the, the cry from women, oh, uh, I'm 30, I've got to find a man, got to get married before it's too late. But then you think, well, what does that mean before it's too late? Well, you know, before it's too late for, for what? For when you lose your looks? And then you think, well, how is that going to affect uh, your, your husband? Well, uh, is, he, is he destined to be unhappy and unfulfilled and frustrated for his whole life if he marries you now? Um, the difference between a rotten peach and a ripe peach is about two days. <laughs> so uh, Arthur Schopenhauer, um, in his essay on women, 
and put it in slightly different terms, he said that nature has decreed that uh, women uh, have that youth and beauty, but only for a small amount of time. Uh, and then once it's gone, they have to live the rest of their life uh, in you know, essentially being invisible, which is how we as men have to live our entire lives. Until, until they have something. Yeah. Until yeah, they have too. some assets. Mm. Uh, it's very, very interesting, the, the, the barter deal that is done between the sexes. Very, very interesting. But, uh, well, we've got a bit off track here and there from the, uh, the pornography discussion. Uh, we're going to have to come back and revisit this subject. Well, I think it, it adds to the discussion of pornography because uh, we can't really discuss pornography without uh, these other aspects. And a lot of it does come back to power and control. And needs. And, yeah, and needs. And that physical attractiveness that, that the woman has or doesn't have because I think when we're looking at porn what are we looking at we're looking at idealized images right absolutely idealized images of uh, what we would like to see in real life or would like to be be with in real life if only we could so it's still setting up the same um I guess the same things in our minds it's it's tapping into your imagination this is it and uh and women do it through makeup and beauty and grooming and all the rest of the, the, that stuff. And men do it as well with lies and pretending to be things and have things. Yeah. I mean, lies are to a man what makeup is to a woman. It's the same thing. Yeah. And uh, I suppose the long and the short of it is they both trick each other. And it's funny if you uh, sometimes if I've been out at a bar, some sometimes I look in the woman's eyes and I think. I look at it and I think, I know that you're looking at me and thinking, you want just one thing from me. You, you're, you want sex and that's it. You're just like all the rest of the guys. And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, I know you want money and resources from me. You're just like the rest of the women. So, so, you, <laughs> so you're, you're probably looking at her thinking, I wonder how little I could get away with paying here. And she's looking at you thinking... I wonder how little I could get away with having to do here. So both both the sexes are set up for... Uh, Aren't you dissat- glad it didn't work out? <laughs> We're both set up for, for dissatisfaction. So men retreat into their world of porn, into their world of fantasy, when uh, they should be doing other, other things like being a good resource provider. Um, but they're sitting in the study or they're sitting in the, the man cave or, or, or the den... Um, you know, going off and um, you know, having their fun watching uh, watching porn, whilst uh, the woman's upstairs doing other things or with the kids or or, or what have you. Um, it's an interesting one, eh? I wonder if I've often wondered whether the attraction to porn is really um, amplified by well, I shouldn't be doing this. I've often I've often wondered that. I mean, if a woman said to her husband. Look at all the porn you want. Just do it in front of me. You'd probably find that he was not not all that interested. It's only that he knows that he it would not be approved of. He shouldn't be doing this. Um, that creates a nice lure for him. Um, you know, if you want someone to do it, tell them they can't do it. Mm. It's, there's a lot of reverse psychology in this. Uh, part of it is the dare of being... A lot of it is, is the dare of being able to do this 
and not be caught. That's true. But yeah, the last thing, yeah, speaking as a man who's been in two long-term relationships, um, over time what I found was my level of desire, my level of attraction towards my partner declined. And that's a natural state of affairs. In fact, there was a, a recent court case where the judge decreed that uh, the man and the woman uh, were not falling out of love with one another, but getting into that, that comfortableness with, with one another where they don't have that full-on full lust thing going on that they had in the uh, initial stage of the relationships. This is a normal thing. It wasn't extraordinary, and it's to be expected amongst partners. So... I think for the man, though, the man is forever uh, primed, right? We've got testosterone running through our body, and the sight of a beautiful woman, especially a new beautiful woman, that's something that attracts us, that we're drawn to. And that nature has decreed that uh, upon us, just as nature has decreed upon women that they will seek out the higher status, higher-earning man, and try to pin that man down yeah, and control and him. For and stop him from... Wandering off. This is it. So in many ways, nature has played a game on both men and women. And uh, we are both, I guess, um, driven by uh, the hormones that run through our body and the effects that those hormones have on our brains. And that's something that, that attracted me to Thailand and to um, trying to gain more understanding of the third gender over there and the effect that hormones have on our minds and, in particular, on the behaviour of, uh, of people. And I'm interested in both the male-to-female transsexual and the female-to-male transsexual, and I've sought out their stories. And the change in behaviour, if you start pumping testosterone through a woman's body and she becomes a man, the stories that she tells are very different She's more driven by sex than what she was before. Um, and I've read stories from, from the, these, these type of people and what they've gone through when they start putting these hormones into their body. And from the third gender, from the, the male to female transsexuals, as they start taking estrogen, that estrogen has an effect on their brains, has an effect on their, their bodies as well. Harder for them to get an erection. They become more emotional Many of them will cry more often and start to take on more uh, female-oriented emotions. Manipulation. Well, it's very interesting. And, you know, I've met and uh, I count as friends a number of these people and they've taught me more about the nature of men and women and my own nature than I ever would have learned from all the books I've read on the subject um, here in the West, in the Western world. And there's only there's certain places you can go to, to, to find these people. And um, I'm particularly interested in uh, female to, to, to male transgender uh, people as well, but I haven't actually met any in person yet. Um, but I'm, I'm fascinated in, in hearing their stories and reading their stories on the internet because I'm fascinated with what testosterone does to the, to the female mind. Yeah, there's a lot of psychology in this one, a lot of psychology. And uh, obviously it goes beyond that. I mean, needs, wants, hormones, expectations, status. There's a lot of psychology in this one. Mm. But uh, we'll wrap this one up for today. We'll come back and revisit this one. So don't be afraid to email us and uh, put forward some ideas and we'll, we'll revisit this topic. 
Sounds good to me. Thank you. All right. Until next time, Prophet, we'll leave it at that. And, um, yeah, we'll uh, see each other again shortly. That's right. See you soon. All the best.